0: EFTM Tech
1: Cars Lifestyle This is the EFTM Podcast With Trevor Long
0: EFTM
1: Thank you for listening Great to have your company Good to be back I made a silly boo-boo last week I said I'll see you next week And then I forgot it was school holidays So I'm actually at home And the kids are locked out of the office And I've got the roadcaster here So I thought I'd just do it Just do the show Next week, I won't be here because we're going away to mums, okay? So next week, no podcast. I'll say it up front. I won't make a mistake at the end. (laughs) So, um, you know, good times. Uh, Great to have your company. Good to be back. And uh, I've got a great conversation I want to have today about digital ID. I, I I want to talk about the Optus and Medibank saga and what they taught us about identification and sharing it and how it can be done better and how it is being done better and how it can be absolutely done better and how we just don't want governments to stuff it up. (laughs) That's what we want. So massive fingers crossed on that one. So we'll see. Uh, Anyway, that's coming up in a little while, plus all your calls. And if you've got a tech question, you know where to go, eftm.com. If you want to win an LG TV, download the EFTM app, and sign up for your EFTM ID and you'll find on the competitions page or the win tab, you'll see the link to the, uh, the LG uh, giveaway. Now, it is a cracker. It's a 75-inch TV, folks, okay? That's, now, here's the thing. You've got like a couple of days left, a couple of days left to win this prize because what we've done is we've said, so it's a $2,694 prize package. And it will be a television and soundbar, okay, an LG TV and soundbar. It's a 75-inch QNED TV and an LG S77S soundbar. TV's worth $1,900. The soundbar's worth $800. I'm giving one away. And if the winner, I'm going to draw the winner on Thursday night, midnight, and I'm going to get their details. Now, if you're in Sydney, you'll get the TV on Friday. You'll have it for the grand final, all right? So that's... Pretty big deal. If you're out there anywhere else, we'll get it to you in, in the week or so afterwards. But if you're in Sydney, I'm confident we'll get you a TV by the grand final time. So let's see who the winner is. But all you got to do is download the EFTM app, click on the Win tab. If you haven't got your EFTM ID, you can get it there. Uh, and if you've updated your iOS app, you can now just tap your EFTM ID and it copies the code to your clipboard because that was a much requested feature. Click on the uh, on the LG competition and then enter your uh, EFTM ID to win. That's all you got to do. Just got to have the EFTM app Have an EFTM ID and you're into the competition if you enter it, okay? Simple as that. Get on the EFTM app, download it now on the App Store or Google Play and this week we'll give away an LG TV. Trevor Long, taking your calls. You've got a tech question. You know where to go? EFTM.com. Christine did that. G'day, Christine.
2: Hi, Trevor.
1: How can I help you?
2: I um, have a a very old iMac, which I'm wanting to replace. I'm thinking about purchasing a laptop, Hmm. and um, I'm very interested in AI, and I've been playing around with chat GPT and so on. Oh, so so much fun, yeah. Yeah, it's great fun. And I have all Apple devices, but I'm now considering, um, because I think that the Microsoft Surface May meet my needs in terms of the copilot yep. that's embedded in the laptop. Mm. Now I know it's a new thing, but I'm um, just wanting your opinion. My question is, what should I buy—the Microsoft laptop with the copilot, or should I stick to my Apple?
1: Wow, tough question, and and I'm torn because there's there's something beautiful about the Apple ecosystem, without question, right? Mm-hmm. I'm sitting yeah. here with a Mac Mac, uh, what I call Mac Mini, and my iPhone, and I took a phone photo of a handyman. Cut a hole on the in the wall earlier, and I airdropped it to my computer so I could put it on Facebook. Right, so easy. It yeah. just it just happened. Right. Yeah. That yeah. that situation is about the only reason that I think the device ecosystem matters is airdrop. Now, if you say to yourself, yes. "Well, hang on, how else could I have gotten that photo from there to there?" I mean, yeah, I could have. Uh, I could have emailed it to myself. I could have. Uh, you know, done many different things. Um, there's a lot of ways of getting a simple photo from a phone to a computer, so it's not really a reason to buy a particular brand because pretty much everything else normally, Christine, lives in the cloud. So do you uh, – what's your email service, for example? What, what email do you have?
2: I have Aussie Broadband.
1: Okay. So you use at Aussie, Aussie Broadband as your email service?
2: Well, Gmail Gmail. and and Aussie broadband. So you
1: connect to the internet through Aussie broadband, but you use Gmail. See, Gmail is probably also where all your contacts are stored too. Or if they're not, if they're on your iPhone under the iCloud, you can move them across. They can be copied, right? So what I love about a a Windows computer is I open it up, I log on, and I just go to gmail.com, and it's like I'm using any other computer. It doesn't matter. I'm just on Gmail, right? Everything works. It's all the same. So unless you can argue to me, why don't I do this, Christine? You tell me why why you should own an Apple MacBook Air and not a Surface. Why should you buy the Apple? What's keeping you there? Well,
2: I, good question. Because probably nothing, nothing much. As you say, the AirDrop's useful, and um, I have um, acquaintances who are, who have got a mixed bunch, like the um, the laptop yep. in Microsoft and using Apple quite well, both using quite well. So. I think I'd, I probably have answered the question, meaning I could get a, a laptop. Oh, from what is Microsoft. it? What is it
1: that excites you about um, Copilot and the AI?
2: Oh well, I've just been playing around with it. I've done book summaries. I've done all sorts of good, fun things, road itineraries. Um, I just like the fact of, that it's a technology and it's it, it's in the future. It's new. It's going somewhere, and um, I, it's just an interest <laughs> in a way.
1: I mean, look. To be honest, I'm fascinated by your interest in AI. Do you do you use it? What percentage of your use of AI is fun, and what percentage of it is actually, you know, getting things done for you, like those book summaries you mentioned?
2: Oh yes. Well, I mean, it was. It's both. I did a road trip when I uh, organised an itinerary for a road trip. That was really really good. Um, I did some summaries of books that I was reading on, you know, ebooks. Um, it's just and it's just a fiddling around and a lot of fun, really.
1: So I just did something fun for both of us, right? I just asked ChatGPT, "What's the best way to transfer a photo from an Apple iPhone to a Windows computer?" Ah, and it said, you "Use a USB cable and the Photos app on Windows, or iCloud. Both are straightforward. Would you like more details?" Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah great. so great. So actually, true. iCloud's not a bad solution. There, you know, you can open iCloud in any browser. And mm. you can see your iCloud photo library, which is most likely where you've synchronized all your photos or do what I do and use Google for your photos. So I, on my yeah. iPhones, I have the Google Photos app and I synchronize um, all my photos up to the Google Cloud instead of, from, uh, instead of to the iCloud. Now, oh. fortunately, they are also oh. synced to the iCloud because I'm an idiot. But basically, I can log into Google Photos. And I'm going I'm to just check right now. So I took this photo uh, an hour, less than an, and about an hour ago. Um, and if I open up photos.google.com, I can see it right now. I can see the photo. And if I open up iCloud, it's also there. So I can just open mm-hmm. Google Photos and I can see the photo. I can download the photo and I can share it on wherever whatever I'm going to do with it. So honestly… Like just use iCloud or Google Photos, and there's your AirDrop problem solved. And yeah. you know what? The great thing is, I, I'm I think that you've hit you've hit on a really important thing here. Apple's way behind on AI, mm. way yeah. behind. And you, Christine, are a great example of. We probably thought before I spoke to you, I would have thought, yeah, but it's only you know um, people in the marketing industry or you know nerds that are using ChatGPT. But here you are using it because you've heard about it, you've tinkered with it and you've realized you can do stuff. And now to the point mm-hmm. where you've heard about a laptop that has AI built in and you're thinking that's that's what I'm going to buy. I think that's brilliant. Yeah. I've been talking today. <laughs> yes. I've been talking today on the radio about um Chad, uh, Copilot as being, you know, the new Clippy. Remember Clippy with Microsoft Word, it'd come up and say you're writing yeah. a letter. Think about it. Like you someone sends you a document or you write a letter and you go I just feel like it needs to be a bit more formal. Highlight the text Open up Copilot and just say, "Make this more formal." And now, yeah, now exactly. yes, on exactly. your on your MacBook Air, yes, you could copy the copy the text and you could paste it into ChatGPT after opening a browser and logging in, mm-hmm. and then downloading it and copying and pasting it back into the letter. But why yeah. why not just type it and ask Copilot? I mean, what a brilliant simple thing to do. Yeah. So exactly, um,
2: that's what that's what I had in mind. I feel yeah.
1: like we've made the decision. I feel like you're going to buy a new Microsoft Surface laptop, Christine.
2: I think so. I think so. Now the question is, which a four or a five? Because I like the idea of the five because it has the touch screen. I don't know about the touch screen for the four. Um, what What would you suggest, four or five? Is there much difference?
1: Ah, uh, look. I think the I
2: can't manage to get one of the new ones. The new ones I think are a bit expensive. I thought they're a, four a bit or five pricey. Would be yeah, I mean the yeah. new ones
1: come with Copilot built in, but you can obviously install Copilot on pretty much any Microsoft device. Um, look, the thing yeah. about the it. It. I think that the f- the the four, frankly, is completely fine. Um, oh, the okay. the the power and performance you're probably demanding of your computer, you probably could do with a laptop. What do they call it? The the Surface Go. Like it's it. I, I when I reviewed mm-hmm. the the Microsoft Surface Laptop Go, which they targeted at school kids, I think at the time, yeah, I thought to myself, yeah. this thing's unbelievable. And the only thing it lacked was storage space. And you can plug in a hard mm. drive to these things, let alone live in the cloud. So mm. honestly, I wouldn't stress about which one you get, but I think the four is probably not in a really nice place right now. You can get the laptop four, the thirteen-inch with two fifty-six for about fifteen hundred bucks. That's a that's a great price. It's a great laptop.
2: Oh, look, thank you, Trevor. That's really great. I guess you've confirmed what I was really thinking, anyway, and that's so exciting.
1: Thank I you. look forward to hearing yeah, and, from you about how good Copilot is. Maybe you can do a yeah. co-pilot review for me, Christine.
2: Oh, okay. And I, I, do and I won't yeah. know
1: which bits of it were written by AI. <laughs> that's true.
2: That's yeah. true. <laughs> Good yes. on you. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. That's really great. Thank My pleasure. You Thanks much. for getting in touch. Okay.
1: Bye. Good on you. Isn't that awesome? That is awesome. Now, I didn't ask Christine how old she was because that's rude. But her email to me from EFTM.com, click Ask strip asked the initial question about Apple, and then she's, however, even though elderly, I'm very interested in AI. So, look, if Christine's classing herself as elderly, I'm going to say she's 60 plus, right? I think. So. I think once you get to 60, you kind of say you're elderly. I feel elderly now, to be honest, in getting close to 50. But anyway, for someone who considers themselves elderly to be fascinated by AI, firstly, and secondly, to make a consideration about a laptop based on its AI inclusions, is mind-blowing, don't you reckon? I just think I think we have hit some really interesting new space. So bring it on, and I look forward to hearing from Christine or Christine's co-pilot. EFTM. This is the EFTM Podcast. EFTM Podcast. Thank you for listening. Trevor Long taking your calls. Amanda's on the line. today. Amanda. Hey, Trevor,
2: um, I've got a question to ask you today about the iPhone. Um, So the new iPhone, the iPhone 15, Mm -hmm. um, or the Samsungs and the latest in terms of, you know, if
3: I've heard a lot of people are going from Samsungs to iPhones, but if you're on an iPhone, do you upgrade to the latest one or do you look at the um, features and camera functionality of, say, the Samsung?
1: What have you got now? Uh, I think an iPhone 13. So it's only a couple of years old. Yeah, And if you were to get a new phone, because I think that's the first question we'll ask in a minute, but if you were to get a new phone, what is the thing that you want it to do better than your 13? Uh, maybe the camera. Maybe that's why I'm kind of leaning that way. Is it I a 13 Pro or some... a standard 13 you think you've got? It's got three lenses on the back or two? Three. Okay, so you've got a 13 Pro. So you've got the ability to go three times on your Zoom, yeah, 3X? Yes. Do you use that much? Uh, from time to time, it's yeah. come in handy for a few photos and things. I've always found myself um, but I kids, certainly have kids' sports where it gets a workout for me because you can't really stand that close, so you want to zoom in on your no. kids.
3: True. Um, I certainly have been impressed by some of the ridiculous camera quality from the um, one of the latest Samsungs. Yeah. Gal- um, being Look, able to sort of zoom in.
1: Galaxy S22, 23, the most recent couple, have been phenomenal. There's no doubt. They have a 10 times optical zoom. Do you know the difference between optical and digital zoom? No, no idea whatsoever. Critical thing when you're (laughs) researching phones, right? Optical zoom okay. is is like the big lens on the front of a camera. It's the glass. It's the thing that you know amplifies the picture and zooms, right? So basically, optical mm-hmm. zoom means that in the back of your your phone, if you look at the back of your phone, you've got three lenses. There's three different bits of glass there. There's three different uh, lenses. One of them has this w- ability to go wide, so it's 0.5, They call it the wider angle. One of them's just a standard lens, and the other one just has a bit of magnification built into it. That's what they call the three x. Anything above three x on your iPhone is 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 a digital zoom so if you if you're someone and I listen I'll tell you right now I really hate it when people are standing somewhere and they pinch into zoom like you know they zoom further with their fingers so I'm using the <laughs> iPhone 15 pro max right now okay and it has a five times zoom which is so much more than the three let me tell you straight away so much further than three times. But I can pinch in and I can zoom to twenty-five times. But all I'm doing, all I'm doing is just cropping. I'm just cropping the image. I'm just zooming in on the three X. I'm not actually it's not actually any better quality than just taking the the five X photo and then you know, pinching to zoom in on that photo anyway. Yeah. So on a Samsung you get a ten times optical zoom and on the on the ultra model, the big one, a one hundred times what they call space zoom which is hybrid. So what they mean there is they're taking the 10X, they're probably looking at the 5X and the 1X, and they're they're comparing them all, and they're going, what do we think this is? How do we make it look better? And they they use AI to to make it all look better and look like not a bad photo. Not awesome, but not bad. So the Zoom's great on the Samsung. It's probably their best feature without question. Their nighttime and star photography is also pretty bloody amazing. That said... Uh Having used the iPhone 15 Pro Max now for a week and a half, got to tell you, I, and I hate the Max. I'm not a big fan of a big phone. I'm sticking with mm-hmm. the Max because it's got the 5 times zoom and the standard 15 Pro does not. It's only got the three-time zoom. And when I'm standing on the sidelines and my son's playing baseball, the zoom that I get means that I'm, I'm, I'm taking a picture of him and not the whole field with this little blip in the middle. Uh, it's made a huge difference to me. It really has. So I feel like, for me right now, the for an iPhone user, I'd be sticking with the iPhone and going to iPhone fifteen. If you're a Samsung iPhone user, iPhone fifteen, yeah. If, if Pro Max though is the only one that has the five times. Pro all, Max should be sure. Okay, that's big and it's expensive. You're talking over two and a half grand there, right? Or yep. two, 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 three. If you if you upgrade to the standard fifteen Pro. The, like the, the new mm-hmm. version of what you've got now is 1850 bucks. You don't get the 5 times zoom. You only get the 3X. So you're not getting anything better. Don't. Yeah. No point. If you are a Fair Samsung point. user, I don't know that the 15 is enough to convert you across to iPhone. So I don't think either of them have impressed their opposition enough to make you switch camps. But they both have amazing cameras. Personally, though, Thank you. honestly, Amanda, it's a lot of money yeah. to upgrade a phone. You've got an awesome it phone right lot. now. Hmm. There's there's genuinely, you've got to remember, there's going to be another one in 11 months from now. So can, can you get by yeah, with probably. what you've got and and then maybe use that time to save for that extra jump to the Pro Max next time around? I don't know.
3: Yeah, no, definitely. It's certainly not something I'm going to rush out and buy, but it's good to learn a little bit more about the, uh, the digital and the optical zoom. So thank you.
1: Good one. Enjoy. Happy shopping if you do go out and, uh, and enjoy a new phone. Thanks, Trev. Good on you. See you, Amanda. Thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a tough one. It really is. I struggle with people wanting to upgrade from a 15 upwards. From, sorry, from a 13 to a 15. It's a two-year-old phone. It's a great phone. Like, seriously, what are you getting that's better? But I, I will be honest in my assessment of the Pro Max, which is that five times is a big leap for an iPhone user. Just like going to a Samsung is a big leap to have the 10X. So got to think about those things. But yeah, yeah. Um, Always always tough to recommend a two year upgrade size. EFTN. You're listening to the EFTN podcast. EFTN. Wonderful to have you company. Thank you for listening, Trevor Long, uh, taking your calls on anything technology. If you've got a question, go to the website, EFTM.com. That's all you've got to do. Now, uh, you know, I've been traveling for the last few weeks, so I've kind of come back and trying to catch up on all the news uh, happening in Australia, especially in tech. And one of the things that I feel like I, I don't have a grip on is uh, a pretty positive announcement from my point of view from uh, Finance Minister Katie Gallagher around digital verification. Now, uh, from my perspective, uh, at the height of the Optus and Medibank sagas, I was banging on about how long, it, it, how far away it would be that we, we would get to the point where we had some safe and secure way of essentially transacting with companies. Think about, you know, your your mobile phone company. I shouldn't need to hand over a passport and a driver's license. Signing up for anything, especially at a retail store, shouldn't require me handing over a license. I should be able to just go, hey look at this and it's a I don't know, QR code or something and it verifies who I am through some sort of back channel to the government. Australia card anyone, I don't care. I want a system that ensures that my identity is protected as best it can be. So I got some comments um, through the week from uh, Philip Boss, the CEO and founder of Blue Key and I thought it was worth exploring this both for my edification, for your edification and just to understand both how the digital ID can work, um, what Philip's Company does, and uh, just generally whether we're going to have a safer and more secure future. So Philip joins me on the line. Philip Bosquet, hey, how are you?
3: Hi, Trevor. How are you? Thanks for having
1: me. Mate, I'm really well. Um, look, I've been I banged on about this a lot last year. That the the concern I had was that we're we're talking about drivers' licenses and passports and how ridiculous that is. Where where do you sit, just generally, on the idea of transacting with businesses uh, proving our identity?
3: Well, Blue Key Privacy Advocates, we believe that far too much information is transmitted repeatedly to prove who you are and it should be a simple process that takes place once and then you should transmit something mathematically or digitally that is not giving away your name, address and date of birth to be stolen and used at every tick of the clock. Mm. We believe that transmitting through emails and faxes, your primary documents that are used to identify you to real estate agents, software salespeople and any, any number of agencies is completely flawed and broken.
1: Yeah, And that's a good point. You think about applying for um, a rental property. You know, the average person probably goes and visits 10 real estate agents over the course of a couple of weeks, let alone months of looking. So how many people are you handing over your information to? So just before we talk about the government, where they're going with this, what is Blue Key? What do you do and, and how do you see this playing out from your perspective?
3: So Blue Key is what you mentioned in your introductory remarks available now. It's a um, data-free system where we don't store any information about the person's uh, privacy details, like name, address, and date of birth. We enrol people once. They have a digital identity that they own for life, and then a mathematical um, representation of their biometrics and their government document can be used, which can't be re-disengineered or taken apart, and it can be used to identify any business without transmitting anything more than you are the person you claim to be. No privacy details are transacted whatsoever.
1: It feels like what you've just explained to me is very similar to how Apple describe Apple Pay. Um, when you tap and pay at a, at a service station with your iPhone, and I, I single out Apple Pay because they're the only company I've had a conversation with about it. I'm sure it applies to others. But you're, you're not tapping over your credit card detail, your expiry date or anything like that. It's sending a, a essentially a digital token and the token is then verified as being the correct thing and all that. So what you're saying is that in the future, potentially, I'll be able to hand over, a, a would it be a QR code or a number or something that would be scanned by the uh, the real estate agent or the telco, which would give them a very, very big blue tick to say, this is really the person they say they are and would allow me to essentially transact some information
3: with them? Well, that's that's a very precise description. So a good example is a call center. Currently, the broken paradigm is you get a call from an unlisted number. And someone asked you the three key issues, name, address, and date of birth. Yep. You don't know who they are. You don't want to give that away. And if you do give that away to the wrong person, they can reconstruct your ID and become you. Yep. So um, now Blue Key at this moment can say to, um, if you, the call center rings and they're Blue Key friendly, they send a token to you, you know it's the Uh, the uh, call center from Oleon or NRMA or any of the telcos or insurance companies, and they know it's you because you're enrolled and you're ready to do business. Mm. Time saved, uh, no privacy transmissions, and nobody's asking for your name, address, and date of birth. Complete trust because you're pre-enrolled in a system that all the trust has been done ahead of the transaction. And so there's nothing transmitted when transactions occur, and so there's no risk of loss of data.
1: Is there a big organization that you're already working with? Because I, I assume you're sitting on the most frustrating gold mine ever, which is you have <laughs> the solution, but it does require, uh, you know, it requ- not investment, it requires buy-in from a massive organization like a big telco, and then critically it requires the buy-in of the customer too. So w- have you got a good example of Blue Key in action?
3: Yeah, we're using BlueKey at call centres, as I've described. We're also using BlueKey for time and attendance to prove at high security centres in the security industry that people are the people they say they are. Uh We're using it for um, time and attendance, for example, at um, uh, uh, contracted sites where you want to know that the the contractor invoices you was the right person at the right time. Mm -hmm. We use it for secure uh, kindergarten pickup. We use it to identify you um, so that you're the right parent uh, proving who you are. We've got 80 verticals that we, we operate in. Um, uh, wherever you need to do an identity transaction that needs to be secure and you don't wish to transmit your personal data every single time, uh, Blue Key finds it uh, smooths the processes and speeds things up and gives you a very high fidelity um, uh, government rated uh, identification. And one of the, just as a segue into the National ID, um, the National ID is actually educating people that the need for such products and such technology is necessary. And so, you know, we applaud the national idea and we intend to work with it and they work with us. So uh, business and government working together is the best way to have all Australians satisfied they have choice and they have security.
1: Because that's the biggest risk, right? People um, people being, you know, old school people mostly, freak out about um, – the government, you know, in any, in any situation like this, right? So they don't want the government to hold on to this information. Now, my, my argument uh, late last year was, what the hell are we doing with ID? It's the perfect solution. Let's just use that, right? Let's just use it. But I can see that getting pushback. So is there, an, is there going to be, in your view, a situation where um, there will be multiple digital ID applications or systems, and will they interact together?
3: If they don't interact together, it'll be a bit playing fiasco that will not work. So, the whole yeah, idea of exactly. the current conversations that are taking place between industry, business, banks, telcos, government, and the private sector is for interoperability, for credential bureaus, for mutual recognition, so that if you get a blue key, you can do business with the government. If you've got a, a MyGov ID, we will recognize that as blue key as your identification and enroll okay. with us. Um, that's happened before in industry and government, and this is happening again right now.
1: Right, so the what's the what's the time frame? Do you reckon on a realistic approach that says that from this date, um, I, you know, and use your own opinion here. It's not a not based on what you see happening, but from what date should telcos not be allowed to, frankly, let alone required to uh, ask for a copy of your passport? What what from what date should we be aiming to be uh, registering for things like mobile phones and telco deals with a digital ID?
3: Well, that's a very good question, and it's predicated on the fact that legislation, best practice, and codes of conduct have to change to accommodate the new yeah. technology so that the telcos and the real estate agents don't insist on asking for things that they're told that their peak bodies insist they must have, must have to do business with you. Yeah. So in order to answer that question, the legislation needs to be underpinned now. Because a lot of that. people were angry so,
1: last week, last year about Optus having your details on file. They, that that wasn't their um, them being silly, that was them adhering to the law that says they need to be able to uh, identify people who use their services for you know, a certain number of years. So, so they're not doing anything wrong. Uh, it's just that that's what you're saying is all those laws, all those conditions need to change as, as appropriately along with this.
3: Exactly. Look, you say that um that people are worried about government or digital IDs having been stored. The difference with the national digital ID, Blue Key and other systems is that it doesn't actually store data. It Mm. processes your enrollment data and provides a mathematical concept that is transmitted as you. It can't be reverse engineered to become you. At the moment, all such systems precisely do that. You send all the building blocks of your identity and that system is broken and you're obliged to. We think a year is the outside limit um, the, all these organisations, and I do have some sympathy for the enterprises that have to store the data and are always going to be hacked. The system with BlueKey and the national government identity system is the data isn't actually stored. Your identity is confirmed. It's what we call a self-sovereign ID. You own it. It is you, and it, and nothing around it, such as your name, address, when you order software. Why do you have to give your address out? When you do business with people where you're, you're getting a download, why are you giving your date of birth? Yep. And you'll just give your identity token. And so if they do the legislation and they roll out the basics, um, we're expecting a year. If I may just say one thing, Trevor, um, the difference between Blue Key and, and government systems is the integration to other business systems. Right. And why we're, we're ahead of the curve is that we already integrate too. You know, systems such as Myob and Zero and 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 uh, call center software and um, Salesforce and all those sorts of things and so the integrabil- integrability yeah. to existing business processes is what's key to make these things work.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I guess so. Talk me through um, what I see as a user on on BlueKey now. I'm assuming that it's locked behind biometrics of my device. So to access BlueKey, I need to face ID or fingerprint ID my phone so that. That's the, that's the stumbling block for someone stealing my phone and pretending to be me, right?
3: That's the first stumbling block to open your phone. The second is to open BlueKey, which uses your biometrics. Yes. And then we use a live um, identifier that shows that the person who is using the BlueKey was precisely the person who enrolled and is actually alive, not a face, a video, a photocopy or something of that nature. And then any information you wish to transmit is held in your phone. It's completely distributed to you. And if you choose to uh, to engage with the enterprise and give them your further details, other than identifying yourself, uh, you choose to do so from your own phone. So, so there's there like a second stored.
1: step to the process in in the verification. So the first one is to say, "Yep, it's it's a real person." And then the website or the business might say, "But we also do need an address because we want to post you something." You know, it's, the whole the whole transaction is is sending you something in the mail. So I do want to send my address, but I don't need to type it. I just need to say yes. In the blue key app i'm going to send this and i'm sending it from my phone to them as opposed to blue key sending because you never store that you don't know my address
3: precisely and what you've identified is the demarcation between needing personal data to identify yourself that's finished the current paradigm with blue key and the national government system means you do not need that and discretionary by uh, by agreeing to sending information that helps you do business Mm -hmm. which is not the same as identifying you so The claim that you need to store this data to identify one is is now no longer true. And if you choose to give some more information to do business, to get a delivery, to buy a car, to whatever you need to do, then you can choose to do that. And that's not part of the identification process. That's the business data process. And so, therefore, you'll understand why enterprises store your data and you'll choose to let them store it and they won't be saying we need it to identify you. And that's a massive amount of data that will stop being transmitted across the world, Mm. both at REST and, and at Transmit.
1: Let's say you're first to market, uh, or you you are obviously early to market, but let's say you're the biggest name in digital ID in a year from now when this all really kicks on. And let's go worst case scenario, Philip. Now, worst case scenario is Blue Key has 10 million Australian customers, amazing, doing great things. Um, You've verified those identities. they're, They're transacting on a daily basis. It's going gangbusters. And Blue Key gets hacked the worst case scenario, I'm not talking, you know, they got in the front door, they got in the back door, they're everywhere in your system. Well, for me, the real benefit here is what I think you're about to say. I'm assuming the worst case scenario is they actually don't get much data.
3: Well, that's correct. Our principle is nothing stored is nothing stolen. When we chose to set up the security systems around BlueKey and all our colleagues in, in my business are um, security experts, we chose not to defend anything. The walls are open. You can come in and look. There's nothing to steal because the data that we process is done in volatile memory and then disappears. We, we reject and lose the data which we assemble to give you your blue key mathematical ID. And thereafter, if you come in the blue key, you, you see 31-digit numbers that aren't very meaningful. You don't see names, addresses, date of birth. We, we have no storage uh, costs or requirements whatsoever. The only thing we do uh, keep is... A, a metadata proof that a transaction occurred so you can't deny it was you when you went to pick up the gotcha. eighty thousand dollar car and drive out the door but we don't know that you got a car we don't know your what what day it was we can just show that the blue key was used in in, in an enterprise we, and so if you hack blue key and the worst possible scenario uh, you'd have to hack Every Apple and and um, uh, other phone in Australia, because we don't store the data you do. So you so, don't know um, that you
1: don't. You, you may know your. You may know that this 32-digit code and this 32-digit code interacted in a in a in a business sense, but you don't know that 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 person's name, or you don't know that that's a car dealer, and therefore you don't know whether they bought a, a spanner or a brand new Mercedes Benz.
3: <coughs> by reverse engineering, by subpoena, by someone inside the company putting everything on the open web there is nothing to show. We, we we chose not to protect. We looked at the cleverness of the hackers, the cleverness of the security cyber experts yeah. and decided it was a one for one battle for the end of, end of time. Yeah. And so we're not protecting data. We're, we're not storing it. And so in that sense, um, there's nothing to steal.
1: What do you think is the biggest challenge for the success of a national digital ID? Uh,
3: that every state and every government agency uh, do not um, break down into fragmented IDs that don't work together. And so like right now in your wallet, you have 15 cards to go uh, to the, the local service club to get yourself into the airport, to get yourself recognized at the Qantas lounge, and your wallet's full and full of cards. So the the idea of digital identity is not just to make... A very secure system. It's to make life easier, simplify the internet, make things quicker and give you one card that does all. It's meant to be like the platinum card uh, that gets you through the door quickly. The example I'd like to give very briefly is you go to a hotel, you've booked, you've paid, you put your credit card in, you arrive at the hotel and you do the same process as all oh, over again at the front don't counter. Don't get
1: me started, my God.
3: <laughs> I <laughs> so booked Blue the Kid, thing you've, online,
1: you've got my credit card, I've already paid!
3: and you're waiting while everyone checks out for 40 minutes when you're trying to get your room Uh, so in the the blue key world you do your booking on blue key you'd arrive show your blue key you get your key you might even see a person might come out of a box and you go straight to your room they know it's you no one else could be that person and it doesn't have to double handle so to simplify processes to take these identity systems and make sure they simplify the world so there's good uptake it makes it it takes away the security but it uh, and, and and problems, but it also makes life easier. People aren't going to do it just because it's more secure. They want life to be simpler, yeah, less cars, right. less transactions, less repetitive. So integratability, um, interoperability, and uh, speeding up the processes and avoiding duplication. Cut out all the bureaucratic mess and, and use the technology to its maximum power
1: it's the platinum card for life that's what that's what i'm hearing life should be should be made easier by that card whether it's going into the pub or the club or um, renewing something at service new south wales and that's probably the biggest risk as you say you know think about uh, i don't know about now but under victor dominello new south wales are very proactively digital they're pushing that way but also you don't want New South Wales's system to be different from Queensland and you don't want New South Wales people to have to have a government digital ID as well as one that works at Optus. You know, like, it should it should be the one. Is that what you're saying? You can't have to carry multiple digital IDs.
3: Exactly. It has to be convenient. I mean, users have had enough of... Identifying themselves five times and standing on one leg and swing a chicken every time they want to do a transaction they want to just do things quickly they know who they are their identity should be empowered it shouldn't be a, a an impediment to doing business so if if the national ID and the private systems integrate together and work with business and empower your ID, the uptake will be tremendous. If it's frustrating where everything is like uh, three or four or five or six systems to get around the world, then you'll find that uptake in the voluntary system will be very limited.
1: I think if every um, part of the, the involvement of digital ID, from government to business to BlueKey and other digital ID providers can answer that question about a hack in the same way that you did, then we're in a good space because that's the fear that was created through Optus and Medibank and others is data retention. And so if you if you and everyone else can say, we don't keep anything, we don't know, we've, we've verified you, we've given you your blue tick. It's a kind of a, you know, it's a social media thing. We've given you your blue tick. Um, you are who you say you are. Go forth and be be in this society. It is also probably... <coughs> Just finally, a generational thing, isn't it? It's probably the point where the younger generation will understand, excuse me, understand and embrace this far better than um, you know people who are of an older generation who think, but they might be both sceptical, but also they just don't want to bother embracing this kind of thing.
3: I, I slightly beg to differ with you. Uh, if I look at my mother, who's ninety-three years of age, uh, working at a bank trying to get yep. some money transferred, she had to go to an extraordinary complex series of processes to identify herself. It would have been easier for her if she's able to use the phone. It's friendly to her um, to identify her blue key and to go through to the bank and to be immediately identified and have to ferret around through drawers and bring up old documents and so forth. So I think if it's explained uh, very clearly and how simple it is, I think the older generation will take it up because it is a better alternative, quicker, faster and more friendly. And if I can make the point, Trevor… There's a difference between enrollment and proof we enroll you when it takes two minutes it's free for consumers and that process is a very rigorous process that takes place once then it's 10 seconds to identify yourself in the future so We've separated the enrolment, the verification, the rigorous process. When there's no one looking, there's no transactions, you simply enrol. Mm. And then when you do business, it's, it's immediate. It's show the card, show the blue key, scan the QR code, say yes to the token from the call center, do uh, an NFR tap to, to someone who you want to identify personally. That's quick. And the current systems now identify you again and again and again. And that's when the older generation finds it tedious because they just did something they did yesterday. <laughs> um we, we we demark the enrollment from the from the verification within transactions. And that and a 10-second process on older generation won't be adverse to.
1: I like it. I like your thinking, I like your passion. Um, I hope, I hope that the governments governments of Australia Um, get this, understand this and push it the way you're you're, you're describing it Um, because governments can lead this. That's the point is governments can lead this very quickly and enterprise will follow uh, even faster because they're more nimble than government. So if government can do it, anyone can and um, it'll obviously be the kind of thing, Philip, that'll be kind of um, uh, voluntary in the first port of call but, you know, once you push and you get voluntary, it's like the New South Wales Digital Driver's Licence. Voluntary as heck... But they very quickly got to a very large uptake, mainly through to COVID because the app was downloaded, but because we, people realised it was huh. it was it was usable and easy. Uh, people just need to see it once and they'll they'll get behind it. I'm confident of that. So I wish you the best with your uh, negotiations and your work with alongside the government. And um, uh, personally, I, I'm happy to be an advocate every single day of the week for a digital ID. And uh, and I look forward to installing it and having it uh, operating on my phone uh, immediately.
3: Thanks, Trevor. I appreciate it. And I also appreciate your very cogent understanding of the uh, issues at hand. Thank you very much. Good on you, Philip, and good luck. All the best, Trevor. Cheers. Bye.
1: Trevor Long, taking your calls. If you've got a tech question, go to the website eftm.com. Maria did that. G'day, Maria. Uh,
2: Hi. How are you going? Very well. Um, What can I do for you? Uh, I wanted to ask about the the mowers. Mm. Uh, I've got uh, my front garden is like separated in two se- different sections. Yes. What, how, do I have to kind of move the mower from one section to another, or is there a way of creating a track for it to know where to go?
1: What's between them? Is it just a driveway?
2: Uh, it's just a path, really.
1: Okay. Yeah. So like the, the garden path. The first mower that I got three or four years ago um, requires a wire to be run around the boundary. And I I believe it's possible to run the wire um, under a path. Uh, If it's a thick concrete path, then it probably will not work. But the good thing is these new modern ones, the one that I'm testing right now from Ecovacs, it's called the GOAT. Now, it's a $3,000 robot mower, but here's what's great about it. You put these beacons, they're called beacons, they just look like a pole, in the corner of your yard, one there, one there, one there and then you actually it's very funny you remote control it with your phone you drive it around your property and so what you would do is oh, you right. drive it around one of them and then you just drive it across that path you drive it around the next one and then you drive it back to the other side and it would just see that as all part of your lawn now oh well, that would be good i mean it, so is it just like a once only thing yeah you just drive it once and then it remembers and it's done oh now, oh, the good. the thing thing about a front lawn, I should say, is that obviously the mower is going to be out there randomly mowing and people are going to see it or whatever. They are GPS uh, yeah, protected, so someone it. someone picks it up and runs away with it. Uh, it's a pain in the bum for you, but I they can't use them. it, so I'd chase them. Um, but also, <laughs> you can set it on a schedule so that it only goes out at certain times when you feel comfortable with it. Um and, yeah. and it does it in a, in, a, in a perfect pattern. You will still need to do the edges and stuff because you can't drive it, like, off the edge and, you know, onto the kind of gutter. So you'll still need to do the edging, but the bulk of the lawn is done for you. It looks great. And, um, yeah, well worth a look, I reckon, Maria.
2: Well, it certainly sounds like
1: something worth trying for sure. You'll have the sure. coolest front yard in the neighbourhood. <laughs> That'd be nice. Good on you, okay, Maria. Then.
0: Enjoy. Thanks
1: so much. Have Thank a great you. day. Thank you. Well,
0: no, Bye-bye. So Bye-bye.
1: See ya. Um, Maria uh, Maria heard me on 3RW talking about the robot mowers I, I'd, I'd love to drive past. I'd love to be Maria's neighbour and just see the mower come out like how good would it be you'd be like what the hell's Maria doing how good's this I reckon, it'd, I reckon it'd get some some attention from the neighbours that's for sure thank you for listening let's keep going with calls g'day Grant how you doing well thanks Trevor and you mate real good what's happening
0: Uh, I've currently got the dreaded fibre to the node and with a family of four school kids, uh, I think it's the slow 25. um,
1: I'm feeling you. I'm feeling your pain just from the get-go. Oh,
0: It's it's horrible. Um, However, looking at the NBN schedule, it's due to come to us, I believe, sometime in November. Oh, the fibre to premise
1: upgrade. So you'll be able to nominate for a for an upgrade?
0: I believe so. I don't know much about it. Um, Telstra have also advised us that that's our current carrier, that yep. um, our plan, which is about $95, is going up to about 100 So it's
1: For 25 it's priced, megabits
0: per second? Absolutely. It's priced itself out of the
1: market. Oh, that's outrageous. Um,
0: what else can you get?
1: Wow. Uh, so well okay. the, the so only other... have you have you called anyone else? Have you spoken to any other telcos yet? I've contemplated it. However, with fibre to the
0: premise knocking on our door,
3: yeah.
0: what's what's the point of Mars well wait and then plan in a a change, which is sort of what we're we're doing. I mean the only other option is use our mobile phones. So for wife and I, doing a bit of admin and, and a bit of Netflixing, it's okay. It's mm-hmm. it more impacts on school-age kids, especially my teenage son. That's that's the the headache. So, so I mean, I guess
1: okay. Here's the first thing you got to do. mate. The absolute first thing you got to do, because the telcos will want to will want to be part of this, right? <clears throat> Is you've got to call Aussie Broadband. Make a phone call. Don't online at all. Just ring them up because they're Aussie call centre. They're they're bloody great for that. It's one of, the, one of the number one reasons I recommend them is because you just ring them and they're there. You might be put on hold, but they'll tell you you're fifth in the queue and all that kind of jazz. They're very good. And just say to them, I need to know whether my address is on the list and when it's going to be on the list. And if they don't know, then no one knows, right? Because <laughs> they've got the same list as the M B N have and they, th- they want to upgrade you as much as anyone else. Because if you upgrade with them, you're essentially locking in a, a higher paid plan with them, which is what they want. So – And I would ring Aussie Broadband and say, here's my address. I'm getting fiber to the node now. When am I on the list for fiber to the premises? And they'll tell you whether you are or not. Because if you are, then you just wait it out. And as soon as you can, you order it with them. Now, I actually don't know what the minimum you'd need to commit to is because it'd be a bit unfair to make you commit to 250 meg per second when 100 is a huge upgrade for you. Do you know what I mean? But... I'm a bit nervous that you might need to commit to something more than a hundred bucks.
0: That's sort of what we're looking at. Is the is the hundred megabit speeds? Um, I, I see the vans and the trucks around the streets already. So I'm sort of guessing it's coming very soon. Mate, they um, might already
1: be upgrading people. Honestly, get on the phone and talk to Aussie Broadband now. The hundred megabit plan per month with Aussie Broadband is a hundred dollars a month, right? Ninety nine bucks. The yep. The you may need to commit to the 100 or the, the 250 meg plan to get the fiber upgrade, which is 120 right. knot because the whole point of the fiber upgrade is to get people to commit to the higher tier plans. Uh, I I want to I hear back from you if you are required to commit to something more than 100 because for you, a 100 is a tripling of your speed. And so there or more, it's a quadrupling of your speed. And so, therefore, it is a massive commitment for you. But I don't know; the rules might be might be such that you know you're required to, unless they're upgrading your whole suburb to fibre to the premises without the option to upgrade. But I, I don't believe that's what they're doing. Um, yeah, the the answer will lie at the foot of Aussie Broadband. They'll tell you, man. They'll tell you straight up <laughs> because they want your business. And whatever happens, even there, if you go on their 100 meg plan at $99 a month, it's the same price, but four times faster than what Telstra's offering you.
0: And that's sort of what we're looking at. I mean, I've been listening to to you guys for some time, and and some of the other followers on on your Facebook page, and yep. a lot of people are spooking Aussie Broadband. I guess the um, better the devil you know scenario wife is a bit reserved about jumping ship from Telstra just because that's all we know. Yeah. Well, we've had previous experiences.
1: All you know is, you say this to your wife, listen, love, all you know is the loyalty you've given Telstra and what have they given you? Have they rung you to tell you when you're going to be on the, on the upgrade plan for fiber to the premises? Have they given you a better deal? No, they've given you a worse deal and they've never been in touch with you about improving your speeds. So mate, what loyalty? What, loyalty doesn't get repaid in any way. So, mate, it makes no difference to your life changing internet providers, other than making your life easier and cheaper. My concern is that you'll need to commit to one hundred and thirty dollars a month to get the fibre upgrade. That's my concern. Plus
0: the plus the upfront costs of buying modems as well.
1: Have you got any? What have you got now in your house?
0: Um, just the, the standard Telstra issue modem. Telstra okay. modem. Yeah.
1: So with fiber to the premises don't buy a modem that's lunacy you don't need a modem you need a wi-fi network right so you can go to jb hi-fi and invest in a wi-fi network whether it's google amazon uh netgear Orbi. obviously i'd support um there's a bunch of different ones you need a mesh wi-fi network and that just plugs into the nbm once you turn into fiber to the premises you don't need a modem anymore okay Yep. but again upfront investment but with kids how old are your kids did you say uh, 16
0: and 12.
1: Mate, the best investment you'll make for the next four years of your life is getting good Wi-Fi in your home, just for the kids' sake. So
0: we've <laughs> we've previously had bad experiences with other telcos um, such as Optus, so we're just a little reserved about jumping ship to a, another telco, although mm-hmm. they have fantastic reviews with you guys, um, to think, oh, geez, we've, we've jumped to Aussie Broadband and then, the experience may not be so good. And then we're sort of left with coming back to the likes of Telstra. That's the only You won't, You'll never go back to Telstra.
1: Okay, here's the thing. You'll never go back to Telstra because once you realise the speed you can get with someone else, you'll never go back to Telstra. Here's the reason people have bad experiences, okay? They go in not knowing what makes good internet. So the first thing that makes good internet in your home, well, the first thing that frustrates your kids when they're on the Xbox or on their phones or whatever is bad Wi-Fi. So having that one modem from Telstra sitting in the corner of the house is creating bad Wi-Fi on the other side of the house. So having one modem in your home is going to create a, a haves-and-a-haves-not situation. The people closest to the modem are going to get good Wi-Fi. The people furthest away, bad Wi-Fi. So that's why you invest in a mesh system first and foremost for your home. Think of it, un- don't worry about your, um, your telco at all right now. Just think about think about Wi-Fi as a utility think of it like water and power. would you would you accept a shower one shower having worse water pressure than another? No you wouldn't because they both should be the same. The water pressure should be the same throughout the whole home. So you invest in a Wi-Fi system from JB's or Harvey so it's independent. don't buy it through a telco just buy a Wi-Fi mesh system, right It's going to cost you between 300 and $3,000, depending on how much you want to spend but whatever you buy, it will create good Wi-Fi throughout the home. And then the the internet that's supplied on that Wi-Fi is, is determined by how good your telco is, right? So right now, you could plug it into your existing Telstra modem and you'll get 25 meg speeds, but you'll get them throughout the whole home, which will be an improvement. But when you plug in the fibre to the premises upgrade, which you'll need to order through one of the telcos, you'll you'll end up getting amazing speeds not only from your telco into your home but across your home on the Wi-Fi network. A lot of people they spend the extra money and they upgrade to a faster plan and then they're sitting on the other side of the house going, well the speed's rubbish over here. It's because you didn't upgrade your Wi Fi. That's yeah, that's, that's where that's people that's at. that's where people go wrong in my in my advice. So if you invest in a modem with with a telco, don't invest in a Wi Fi network from a retailer and and just plug that into the internet which is when it's fiber to the premises there is no modem what the MBN supply is a little box with an Ethernet port in it and you just plug your router, plug your Wi-Fi network into that in that Ethernet port and hey presto everyone's on the internet but you will need yeah, to having- you'll need to sign up to a faster plan, and I worry that to get the upgrade to fibre, you need to spend $130 a month, at least for the first year, um, to, to commit to that plan. And then maybe you can downgrade to the 100 meg plan.
0: Yeah, with having a, a two-storey family home, I was at least looking at getting something like the, the Google Mesh system um, yeah. already in the Google um,
1: ecosystem system yeah.
0: anyway. Yep. So I was just looking at, Perhaps getting getting the um, the Google Mesh ones and they seem to be cheaper through JB Hi-Fi than through yeah. Aussie Broadband anyway. So uh, it's just that upfront cost that you've got to, Absolutely. You've
1: got to outlay. 100%. Yep. So uh, the only way I can justify it in your head is to think of it like a a, a utility for your home, just something you've, you've got to do. Um, and, you know, when you can afford it, get it done, bite the bullet and, and get under it. And then today, because you're not committing to anything at all, pick up the phone today and call Aussie Broadband and simply give them your address and say are you able to tell me when i can get the fibre to the plant fibre to the premises upgrade there's going to be one or two yep. answers it's going to be you can't yet we'll ring you when you can or now and you're going to blow your mind's going to be blown because for crying out loud no one called you Yeah, well,
0: I've got my my, um, details registered with the NBN regarding upgrades, and I haven't heard anything yet.
1: Okay, so maybe not yet, Um, they haven't hit you yet. But
0: but yet on their same website, it's saying for November, my suburb is is listed for an upgrade. Um, And Telstra are saying that from November, my plan is due to change. So I'm sort of guesstimating that November's got to be the change over time. And that, as I said, the, the vehicles are around the neighbourhood.
1: Yeah. Um, but remember, there's, there's, there's two types of upgrade. There's the one that they're doing just randomly for everyone in the street, which is very rare, okay? And then there's the one that you have to ask for. The one that you have to ask for, you've got to commit to a plan and you've got to order it. And they're not just going to come to your house and knock on the door and upgrade you. So, yeah, we need to find out which... Which, which one you're in. It Mate, it sounds like you're in the everyone's getting upgraded and Telstra is going to up your price from then. Honestly, mate, don't – just remember what I said about loyalty, okay? Love Telstra. They're great. But what have they given you and can you get a better deal elsewhere? You won't look back.
0: So if I can just ask you to expand, sorry, when you said um, I may have to ask for a a specific upgrade. What, what exactly is
1: that? So it's the it's what they call the technology choice program. The fibre to the premises upgrade that they've committed to is for a lot of homes, millions of homes, is it's available, but they're only upgrading your home if you order a fast plan with a telco. So see, yep. so um, Stephen Fenix a great example. Uh, he was on fibre to the curb. Uh, he was on a 100 meg plan. He rang Aussie Broadband and said, I'm happy to pay extra for the hundred, for the 250 meg plan or the gigabit plan, I think he went for, which is his way of saying to them, I'm committing to spending more than $100 a month with you for the next 12 months or so. And once you make that commitment, they ring the NBN, the NBN rolls the truck to your house and they upgrade your home with a new bit of pipe and a new cable and hey presto, you've got fibre to the premises. But if your neighbour does not make that phone call, then they don't get the upgrade. Because you've got you've to make the phone call and you've got to commit to the faster and more expensive plans. It is possible, though, that your suburb is one of the few that is just being upgraded for everyone because you're on the absolute worst of the internet. Could be. But you've got to, mate, honestly, make a phone call and check. Because if Telstra's just putting... If Telstra's emailed you and said, we're going to put your plan up without telling you why, uh, it's just really sad and disappointing. So ring Aussie Broadband. No commitment, no obligation, and just say, "Can you tell me? Here's my address, Can you tell me if and when I'm getting fibre upgrade, or do I need to order it?" And they'll, they'll tell you honestly and frankly.
0: Oh, it's a hundred dollars a month for twenty-five megabits is atrocious. Outrageous. And again, They price themselves out of the, they price themselves out of the market.
1: That's spot on. Um, spot on. But but, uh, but here's yeah, the just, weird thing: if you are in game. the if you're in the compulsory upgrade situation and they're upgrade NBN's upgrading you, Telstra's told you they're upgrading your plan without telling you you're going to get faster speed, which is in and of itself that's stupid and poor communication, don't you think? So again, it's another reason to find a better telco because, mate, you just don't get that. From my I get an email whenever Aussie, if Aussie Broadband gets a note from NBN that the NBN's going to be down for five minutes, they send me an email saying it's going to be down at three a.m. I'm like, I don't care, I'll be asleep. But, you know, they communicate. They over-communicate. Pick up the phone, my man, and, and find out what's happening, all right? Let me know. I will do. Good luck, Grant.
0: Thank you very much.
1: Cheers, mate. Anytime. Yeah, I mean, I I, I feel like he's he's in that position where it's actually going to be a compulsory upgrade. He's going to get it. But isn't it amazing? You've got to make all the calls to find out. shouldn't be that way. Anyway, good luck, Grant, and hopefully you got fast, fast internet for those kids real soon. EFTM. This is the EFTM Podcast. EFTM Podcast. All right, thanks for listening. Back again in a couple of weeks. Uh, I'm going to take next week off and uh, go to the, visit my mum with the kids. Haven't seen her for a very long time, so we're going to have a drive. We'd probably take the Cupra. Probably take the Cupra. Do a bit of a range test on it. Um, so look forward to that. And, uh, yeah, I'll be back in a couple of weeks with your calls. If you've got a tech question, just keep them coming through eftm.com click on ask trev that's all you got to do and we'll get your question and we'll get you on the show and we'll have a chat and we'll solve your problem or help you out or help you buy something that's the way we roll thanks for listening folks and talk to you in a couple of weeks